Morning. Being school holidays, you've seen some of the kids out in welcoming today and we've got a shish this morning helping with the Bible reading. So we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through to 16. You ready, Ashish? As a, pri- as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray as we come to God's Word. Father, we ask that you would build your church, reach the nations with the news of Jesus, and build your people up so that we might know the fullness of the life that comes through knowing Jesus. And we pray that you would even be doing that amongst us this morning as we read your words. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a few situations in life where you can see the difference that one person can make. When I was growing up, uh, particularly when I was about eight years old, I used to play soccer for the Rudy Hill RSL Youth Football Club. Go the Flowers, I guess. That was us. And uh, my particular team, when I started in under eights, we sucked hugely. But they, uh, they had this kind of policy at the club where they would keep teams together so that they could you know, develop together over the years, which meant that we sucked long term. Um, And so one year, we got a new player on our team. His name was Bryce. And Bryce was just unfathomably good. And he turned our whole season around. We won every game that year. It's unbelievable. And it wasn't because of any difference in how we played. It was basically just that we just gave the ball to Bryce all the time. He scored all the goals. He made all the tackles. And he basically just carried us to victory the whole time. One person, massive difference. Now, you might have heard the news this week, and I know this comes as a shock to all of us, 
that Johnny Ive has left Apple? I know. Who is that? Yeah, good question. Um, Johnny Ive is the guy who's been responsible for all the, the, the design of all of Apple's products for the last 15 odd years, um, software and hardware. So all of those, app, like the, the phone that you've got in your pocket, maybe the watch that you wear that's an Apple watch, maybe your computer, all of those things have been designed by this guy. And he announced two days ago that he's resigning from Apple. Uh, and you might not think that's such a big deal. Surely someone else can de you know, design the iPhone. Apple's stocks fell $13 billion when the news of this guy leaving broke. Uh, because so many of us have one or two or three of his devices. And those devices have changed the way that we live our lives. Uh, it's amazing the difference that one person in the right job can make. Now, this week, we've had our ministry team, our pastors, go away to a big old ministry conference, and that's been a, a big investment of time and money, and, uh, well, rightly so, because we, we have in this cult, you know, our culture this idea that, uh, that a big difference can be made by individual people. And so, I guess this morning, I want to ask the question, what kind of difference should we expect a pastor to make? What difference should we expect our pastors at this church to make? Uh, we can find ourselves dreaming of all sorts of different things, that this pastor is going to help our church take the next step. Uh, this pastor is going to preach in a way that makes outsiders interested in the Bible. This pastor is going to attract young people. This pastor is going to care for old people. This pastor, wh whatever it is, the difference that I want to see made in this church, this pastor is going to make that difference. In God's grace, this person will take us there. We can have lots of expectations, that, that things that we, the differences that we want to see pastors make. But I guess maybe we should ask the question another way, from God's perspective. What difference does God expect a pastor to make? What role, what job does God give a pastor to do? Now, we get a little window into this from Ephesians chapter 4. Now, this is the same church in Ephesus that Timothy would become a pastor in down the track. And we've been hearing what Paul had to say to that particular pastor of this church in 1 Timothy over the last term or so. And so, in this passage, we're going to see two things, particularly, firstly, what God says He's called us to be. He's called us to be one body. That's going to be the first part. But then the second thing that we're going to see Paul say to the Ephesians and also to us is that he's going to talk about the different roles that different parts of the body have to build up God's people, both the pastor and the people themselves. So let's jump into Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got your Bible there, follow along. If not, we'll have some of the, some of the passage up on the screen behind us. So first up, Paul says that as people who've come to trust in Jesus, we've been called to be one body. And so Paul calls us to live out that calling. Have a look in verse 1. Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And that calling is what Paul has been unpacking for the first three chapters of Ephesians up to this point. Um, he says to the Ephesians, and, and the same is true of us, back in chapter 2, verse 13, he says this, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. We were disconnected, both 
vertically and horizontally, disconnected from God vertically because of our sin, because we've ripped ourselves away from His rule. And so it's the blood of Jesus that Jesus gave to pay our price that means that we can be reconnected to God. Uh, not just at the point where God says, okay, we're even, your, uh, your record is clear, but in a way where God draws us near. And the same is true horizontally, that, that for Paul, as a Jew, he was disconnected from the Ephesians as Gentiles, and there was hostility in that relationship. But in chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says that what Jesus has done is to break down the wall of hostility between those two, so that they might be brought near to each other, so that they might be adopted by God into the same family, to be one family. Now, Kate, my wife, the other day showed me a story uh, from Humans of New York that they tell lots of stories about lots of different people. You can find them on the internet. But this particular story was, uh, it was about a man who grew up in an orphanage in Russia. And when he was about eight years old, an Italian couple came to the orphanage. They met him and they, they wanted to adopt him. So they, they took him to Italy and they showed him around and they showed him what life would be like in their family, but he was, he was really scared. And so he said no to this Italian couple and he went back to live in the orphanage in Russia. So he grew up in the orphanage and, and as life went on, he became increasingly troubled. His behavior was erratic. They kicked him out of the orphanage when he was 17. Um, so he got a job and he tried to scrape together as, as normal and as, as an existence as he could. But eventually, even that little bit of, uh, of stability in his life fell apart. And so when he was 23, everything kind of spirals out of control for him. And so he does the only thing that he can think to do. He reaches out to that Italian couple who he hasn't spoken to in 15 years. He's a 23-year-old man and he, he gets in touch with these people and they say to him that they've missed him. They've been worried about him for all these years. So they say, come and live with us in Florence. This is what he says about his experience when this family, these, these parents, adopted him into their family as a grown man. This is what he says. When I arrived, they introduced me to everyone as their son. It was a whole new world, a whole new life. That first night, my father sat me down and he said, I understand you're afraid, but you're part of the family now. I have a mum and a dad now. I have a brother and a sister. I have aunts. I have uncles. I was 23 and I'd never even had a birthday cake. But now we celebrate all these things. This is us. This is what God has done for us through Jesus. He has adopted us into his family. And so we have a father now. We have brothers and sisters now. And so in Ephesians 4, Paul is urging the Ephesians and us to live our lives in a way that reflects what God has done for us, in a way that's worthy of the calling we've received, the calling to live as one family, one body. And so Paul paints a picture of what it is to live as one body, a body that's growing up. And we see that from verse 2. Have a look at that with me. He says, Be completely humble. And gentle, 
Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And that unity with each other, that connection with each other, that's not something that we have to manufacture. We don't have to find something to, to unite around. We don't have to find a common interest that gives us something to talk about. We have to find a worship style that we can all be comfortable with because that unity, that connection is something that we already have in Jesus. We're already one body. Have a look at verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. As Christians, we have already been eternally bound to each other because of what we share. We share the same sin, the same Saviour and the same future. We share the same Spirit who lives in us and we share the same Father who, who binds us all together. That's already happened. We're already one body. And so God's mission is to grow us up into the fullness of what we already are. Now, that's what he goes on to talk about in verse 13. In verse 13, he says that the plan is that we would all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what God wants to do in us, that we would grow up into the fullness of what we already are. Now, I've got three daughters, and they were Mitchells on the day that they were born. They were part of the family, um, but they didn't act like Mitchells on that day. Uh, so my job, I think, as a father, is to teach them what it means to be a Mitchell. And, well, let me, let me tell you about that. It means that you love baseball. It means that you love coffee. And it means that you really get a kick out of my sense of humour. That's what it means to be a Mitchell. Um, and that's, you know, that's hard work to get someone there. In fact, I'm not sure that Kate's quite there yet either, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there, right? We'll get there. Um, now, th that is true also, I think, on a deeper level, right? In the sense that when we're growing up as children, we are learning what it means to be part of that family. We're already part of the family, but we're learning what it means to live out the fullness of being part of that family. And that's, that's the case with my kids. They're learning what it is to encourage each other as sisters, to cheer for each other, to be there for each other when the world is against them. They're already Mitchells, but they're growing into the fullness of what it means to be each, each other's family. And that's what God's doing in His people. We are part of His family. We are already one body belonging to Jesus and God's mission is to grow us up into the fullness of what it means to be the body of Christ, to be one with each other like Jesus and the Father are one, to love each other like the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Spirit, to add people to that and to grow that up. That's what God's calling us to as His people. That's what God is, is calling this church to. That's what God's doing amongst us. And so if that's what God wants to do in His church, in this church, well, how does that happen? How does that come about? And, and maybe a bit more of a question, what's the pastor's job in all of that? Well, that's where we, we come to the second thing that Paul's going to say to us in this passage. There's one body, but there are different parts. And each of those parts 
has a role in growing the body. There's different parts, and those parts have different roles. And you'll be happy to know that, as Paul sees it, there's a big job for the pastors in this. They've got a lot of work to do. So let's see what it is. Have a look at verse 7. Paul says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. Even though we're one body, we each have different roles in building that body up. And the Lord Jesus Himself has determined that. Um, He's graciously handed out different gifts, whether that's an ability or whether it's just a job, something that's been given to you to do. Uh, And in verses 8 through to 10, Paul quotes from Psalm 68, where he uh, in that psalm, the psalmist is, is painting a picture of God returning victorious from battle, having conquered Israel's enemies, um, having smashed them and bringing the, the fruits of that battle back to the people. But Paul's saying that's what Jesus did at the cross. He descended into death, but he was raised to life, having defeated Satan and death, and he's ascended to rule over everything. And now he gives gifts to his people. And as he goes on to say, one of those gifts, believe it or not, is a pastor, a person who shepherds God's people with God's Word. Uh, See that with me in verse 11. So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, we've got to note there that these these aren't the only gifts that Jesus gives. Um, This isn't the the exhaustive list. It's not like if you missed out on one of these then your only possible job is keeping the pew warm. That's, that's not what Paul's saying. Um, but there is something that these particular jobs have in common. And there's a reason why Paul singles them out at the start. They are all jobs that, that have something to do with bringing us God's Word. And one of them is pastor, or literally shepherd. So what is it that differentiates pastor from some of these other ones, like apostle, or prophet, or teacher... Well, back in Acts 20, Paul was farewelling the elders, or literally the pastors, the same word, of this same Ephesian church. He spent a lot of time with these guys. And as he said goodbye to them, he explained what was his job to do for them and what is now their job to do for the people of the church. Uh, And as you flick through Acts chapter 20, he says things like, in verse 28, "...shepherd the flock, keep watch over the flock and protect them from wolves." Verse 27, teach them the whole counsel of God, everything that God has to say to us throughout the Scriptures. Verse 20, he says, anything that will be helpful to them, both publicly and in their homes, open the Bible with them and teach them. Verse 21, call people to turn and to trust the gospel of Jesus. Verse 19, endure suffering for the sake of your sheep. Verse 35, work hard for them. Verse 37, cry with them. Verse 36, pray with them. That's what Paul says a pastor does, to shepherd God's people with God's Word. And back in Ephesians 4, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, we see that by doing that, a pastor will build up the body of Christ. Except that, that's not quite what it says, is it? That's not quite what it says, In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, it doesn't quite say that the pastor will build up the body of Christ. If you look at verse 12 with me, Paul says that a pastor, as he shepherds God's people with God's Word, a pastor will equip those people for works of service, and then the body will be built up. The body of Christ is built up, 
not just by pastors and people up the front, the body of Christ is built up when people are equipped to serve and then they do it. That's how God's people grow. We started with the question, what difference does a pastor make in growing the people of God? Um, But that's not the only question, is it? There's a bigger question. What difference will God make through the people of this church? That's the big question. A pastor's job will be to, to teach the Word, but ultimately a pastor's job is to equip people, all sorts of everyone in this church, to serve Jesus and to serve each other. So that as each part does its part, only then will the body of Christ be built up. When each part does its part, verse 13, the body will become mature. When each part does its part, verse 14, we'll no longer be blown around by false teaching because we will have been serving and building each other up, pointing each other to Jesus and reminding each other that Jesus is true and real. Each part does its part by, verse 15, speaking the truth to each other, the truth about Jesus, reminding each other of the truth of Jesus in the context of loving relationships. When each part does its part, verse 16 From Him, Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by each supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. How does the body grow? How does God make the difference in His people and bring about the growth that He wants to see in His people around the world? Well, it says each part does its part. Pastor and people. In that sense, a church is not like an under eight soccer team where we just pass the ball to Bryce and he, makes, he scores all the goals, he makes all the tackles, he does all the work and he wins all the games for us. That's not what a church is like. A church is like a building site. Now, I, I realise in saying this that I'm talking to a number of people who actually work on building sites, so please forgive my ignorance. Um, but in this situation, we turn up every day to build this thing and the chief builder, Jesus... He has a plan, he has the blueprints, but he's employed a foreman who equips us with tools and encourages us on the job and reminds us of the plan, except that in the church, we call that person pastor. We are one body in Christ and God is growing us to be the fullness of what we already are and that happens as each part does its part. As, as the pastors equip God's people for works of service and then we get on and we do those works of service. So at the end of all of that, I just want to finish with the question for you, what part will you play in that? What's your part to play in building up God's people? Uh, to the pastors, well, we want to say, shepherd the people of God with the Word of God. In every passage, show us the beauty and the excellence and the power and the grace of God in His Son, Jesus. In every season, show us the the relevance of God's Word to our situation. In every storm, guard our hearts with the promises of God's Word. And in, in the midst of every ambition that beckons to us, stir our hearts with a reminder of a better mission, something bigger that we have to live for. Show us from the Scriptures that we've got something better to live for, a better cause, a better hope. Whether that's from the front or it's just in conversation. 
That's the job of the pastor. The pastor is to equip God's people for works of service. So when we get tired, pastors refresh us with the gospel of grace. When we feel insecure or ineffective in our ministries, remind us that it's God's spirit who does the work and changes people's hearts. It's not us. When we don't know how to speak about Jesus, pastors, show us, teach us how. Now, maybe you're not a pastor and that's not particularly your job. You're part of this congregation. What part are you going to play? Well, look, here's a few suggestions. Parents, serve your children by showing them that Jesus is number one, that our lives revolve around Him, that He doesn't revolve around our lives and fit in where we've got time. Teach your children that sport and studies come a distant second to Jesus. And as you do that, you'll be building up the body of Christ. You'll be making sure that our infants aren't blown around by the different things that this world will offer them. Musicians, serve your people. As you lead us in song, give it everything that you've got to gladden our hearts that we sing in the presence of the living God. For those of you who are on the committee of management, serve your church. Be faithful with the resources that have been put under your stewardship, but also have faith as you make those decisions. Make bold decisions for the spread of the gospel. Trusting that God will provide for it. And as you do that, you will build the body of Christ because you'll be, sh- you'll be building a culture of faithfulness that will help us to live trusting God as well. Now, if you don't have a particular job to do this weekend or any particular weekend when we're together and and you're sitting there in the chairs, if you can shake a hand and if you can ask questions, then you can build up the body of Christ. Now, maybe maybe for you that means joining the welcoming team, um, but maybe it just means keeping an eye out for faces that you don't know. Uh, Going up to those people and saying, hi, having a chat, asking, hey, what's your story? Uh, And as you do that, you're going to be building up the body of Christ. You're going to be building people up to know Jesus. We want to welcome people in the same way that God has welcomed us, running out to meet us. Now, maybe none of those are for you, but maybe you just want to think about what's the next step that God is equipping you to take to serve Him, to serve His people. Maybe it's leading a group. Maybe it's helping with creche. Maybe it's even just picking up your phone and giving your brother or sister a call and just asking them, how are you going? How are you going? I got a message yesterday from someone in this church um, that just simply said, just said a prayer for you. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. And that was just endlessly encouraging for me. Simple things, something we can all do. But it built me up to know that I am, I've been adopted into the family of God. I have brothers and sisters who love me and they want me to love Jesus more. Endlessly encouraging. So, do pastors make a difference in a church? Sure. But only as they equip God's people for works of service. And it's then those people who make the difference that God wants to make as His Spirit works in us as we point each other to Jesus. Why don't we pray about that? Our Father, we praise you that your Son promises to build His church. Father, we thank you for the people that have told us about Jesus. We thank you for the people 
who have encouraged us to know Jesus more. We thank you for the people who've taught us. We thank you for the people who have come alongside and served us and just reminded us through their glad service that they have been saved by the living God, that you are real and true. Father, we thank you for the ways that we've been served and we pray that you might help us, whether we are pastors or members of this church, to do our part in building up your people. Father, we pray that our pastors would shepherd us with your word. And we pray that as we are filled and washed and fed by your word, that you'd be equipping us to serve you. And we pray that as this happens, that we would grow into the fullness of what it means to be connected to you and that more and more people would be added to the people that you're building. Amen.